this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Masters of the Air Part 7 is over, but we are just getting started talking about it here on Post Show Recaps. My name is Ariel, and I am joined, as always, by my navigator. I couldn't get anywhere without him. It's Rich. What's up, Rich? What is up, Ariel? I'm just hanging out. I have my rabbit stew for lunch. I'm doing well. <laughs> it's rabbit in, like, air quotes. <laughs> oh, I got God, it from under my so... house. That's so foul. Here, kitty, kitty. <laughs> I, I don't mean to get ahead of myself, but that scene comes on, and I'm like, this is so sweet. They're going to adopt the mascot. The prisoners get a little kitty mascot. I would like, want a cat they if need I were trapped. In pri- Wrong assessment, Philly. Wrong read. They need, they need an emotional support animal. <laughs> <laughs> it was supportive, all right. Uh, that's my biggest critique of the whole episode again not to get ahead of the game but it's these world war ii boys calling the rabbit stew rabbit stew air quotes protein uh they called it meat let's get real ariel it was meat (laughs) these boys they call it anything protein in 1943 Uh uh-huh yeah they had no understanding of what protein was uh i mean some but certainly not the i'm jumping all over the place but i just needed to talk about that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look at before we got to I'll far. never look at someone trying to get a cat out of a a tree or under a basement or under a house or some kind of shack ever again. <laughs> this is just this is just a bad scene, but you know, clearly they were friendly enough to get the cat. Animals are not stupid. I mean, they can be, but they're not stupid in the sense of uh, you know, they sense energies, and I think even though they didn't send the murderous, they didn't sense the murderous intent. They sense, oh, this seems like a stand-up guy. He's he built me this little toy. To- yeah, look at this charming pilot. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Part seven. We're in the final three. This is this is uh 
you know, very important territory as far as where we find ourselves in the series now, in this miniseries. There are two left. You know, besides the cat murder, uh, how did you feel about this episode overall? I really like this episode. You know, we came in last week and we're talking. I know you love episode six in terms of getting a little bit of like downtime and some exploration of mm-hmm. these men, of our characters, and really kind of looking at the fallout. So I think that there are a couple of really ingenious parts of this episode that I deeply appreciated. I think that it's mirroring a lot of that same energy of six, where like, again, we're not up in the plains. We're not going on any of these runs. We're not dealing with the like the big explosive CGI to that extent. I mean, we are a little bit, but but not as dramatically as we have been in the past. But we're watching the fallout in a way that now we've been trained to understand. And I felt like it was really powerful. Um, the view into the prisoner of war camp, just fascinating. I talked a bit last week about the kind of like connection to Stalag Luf 3 and the great escape. Uh, and, and I'm like fascinated by that. This is one of these movies that I watched many times as a young kid growing up and kind of love. I think that the tension in this episode in terms of the number of flights and the number of flights getting changed and can Rosie do it? And even just that presence of the German uh, like prison guards amidst the POWs created a kind of tension that was lacking for me last week that I really like episode seven a lot Um, coming away from it. Like probably one of my favorite of the series so far. Yeah, I I wasn't as high on it as I was on episode six. I think, you know, uh, like I admitted last week, I'm a sucker for a for a known cameo. But and we got three. Uh, so and here, you know, we got we got one of those uh, who came back and returned, which was nice. But um, I yeah, I liked the episode. I thought some of the newer stuff was interesting, having like Buck and Bucky reunited but in this compromised position is like an interesting layer to their dynamic, which we haven't seen before. And like trying to decide what the quote unquote, the right thing to do is it's a pretty simple episode as far as, uh, you know, plot points specifically. I think, um, we can, I mean, we already talked, we've, we've spoken a lot about the, the prisoner war camp. So maybe we can start there, kind of take it uh storyline by storyline. We, you know, like we said, they have this reality of, of not having much food and they, they capture the, the cat to make the, the uh, rabbit stew. Um, and they, you know, they seem to be getting, it's Crosby who's doing the VO again in this episode. Thank God, Crosby, we love you. Uh, we do love him. He not... really is fantastic, Ariel. I'm, I'm like so high on this guy. This is somebody yeah. I'll follow out of this show, you know. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, he's he's not at the camp, thankfully, but he is giving us some context. It, they don't have, even though they have to like scrounge for this kind of food, they do have like some meager amenities. Like it could be worse. It seems like, you know, they have access to certain things and certain uh, facilities and, you know, it could be worse. They get their letters, Rich. This isn't, you know, this isn't half bad. Like what you why imagine would escape? <laughs> in the German prisoner of war camp, you're getting your letters from back home in Des Moines. I was, uh, I was immediately suspicious. I was like, who's writing these letters? Are these letters from the German? Is this spy craft? Right. It's really, I mean, it's interesting because I've been talking about it a lot as we go, and this is an element of the war that I didn't know a ton about before the show. And I've been doing my research, but the red cross was, was really instrumental to a lot of the prisoner of war camps and the um, care of the POWs during World War II, there was still this, I mean, I I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but this air of romanticism around all of it, right? This whole notion of like the bombing campaigns and that initially the British RAF was like, no, we will not hit any civilian centers until like 1941 that they kind of flipped the script and they realized like we have to change what they're doing. But there is this sort of like, you know, for, forgive me for the kind of like crassness of the term, I guess, but this this like gentlemanly conduct, uh, and I mean that as like the inversion that it sounds like, that like right. 
you know, we treat it as this kind of dignified act of statecraft, uh, the way that we wage war and the way that we deal with the prisoner of wars. And, you know, notably, Stalagluf three I talked about a little bit. That's the prison that we're at. It's run by the Luftwaffe. So this is the German Air Force taking care of the American Air Force prisoners pretty early on. Um, there was like this decree across the German military that each branch of their armed forces would be mm -hmm. responsible for the POWs on the opposing side, right? Uh, okay. And there's this perpetual threat that is hanging over the prisoners that is used by the by the Luftwaffe of like, you think that this is bad, like the SS could take over and it could get really bad. Because um, in, in the way that we see in the beginning, especially the airmen, they were treated really well for POWs. They had a lot of accoutrements. They had choirs. They were putting on plays, Ariel. There was like a regular Stop, theater troupe in Stalag Luft Three that wow. had weekly performances of Broadway plays, you know? Um, so there's like a level of care and, and a kind of humanitarian element to the living day in and day out in these German POW camps that don't, that aren't universal uh, across all POWs. Like certainly I think if you've seen anything about like the Japanese POW camps, very different animal. Yeah. Right. Um, and you know, th they weren't without their human rights violations. And a lot of what oh, we are seeing in terms of just the care, the like the letters getting there, all of these like comforts, these creature comforts that exist in the prison are fundamentally go back to the Red Cross, who were able to kind of cross political borders mm -hmm. to provide those things to the POWs on both sides. Of right, the right. Yeah. And I think the both sides point is, is, the interesting one to keep in mind. There's like this idea of uh, like the metaphor of mutually assured destruction, but applied specifically to, you know, the, the treatment of soldiers on both sides, the treatment of like the prisoners on both sides of like, okay, we're going to treat your guys with some level of respect and care and you are not going to shoot our guys on site and do the same. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's explicitly it's what it is, right? That whole notion of mutually assured destruction. I mean, the Cold War is bored out of the end of World War II, right? But, like, right. I think the roots are very much here in terms of this reciprocal treatment of respect, especially for, like, um, you know, the, the kind of commended men, these more, like, respected soldiers in the Air Force or whatever. Yeah, for sure. Um we we find out i mean speaking of speaking of the great escape is this what that movie is about we find this out is explicitly what it's about that is the great soldiers. escape i was like this is this really is a great escape I even say doing this episode, there's been a sort of a great escape <laughs> there's been an escape we're calling it great it's like rhyming all of a sudden um they dug tunnels for a year an entire year i can't even do like duolingo lessons for this long i can't I know, imagine right? doing this <laughs> the same thing over and obviously you know the the stakes are a little bit different but this is like patience dedication discipline yes to escaping prison i understand it but like no less impressive it's crazy like what was the figure like 50 people Escape. They got out 80 men. I think they Jeez. got out 79 men in the end. So this is where I have to rein myself in. Because I could do a three-hour podcast. <laughs> just the, Great the Great Escape is really fascinating because it's a true story. It's based on a book that's published in like the early 50s about the true story. So Stalag Luft Three again, this is a Luftwaffe prison. They picked the location for where they were going to build this prison because the soil was so sandy. They knew that it would be a bitch to tunnel through and that it would make it very difficult for anybody to tunnel out of the camps. Right. So these guys are making escape attempts left and right. You got guys jumping over fences. You got guys like going under fences. It's perpetual. And part of what was going on in Stalag Luft three is they separated the POWs by um, their nationality. So the, the RAF, the British POWs are in a different section of the camp. Uh, and it's actually a very noteworthy point in the movie. The movie is fascinating. You got like Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, James Garner, and the man himself, Steve McQueen, who's actually playing a British guy, but doesn't even try to put an accent on. It's very like yes. 1960s version uh, of my Kevin favorite Costner. kind, my yeah. favorite kind of accent. The non yeah, I love it. Um, but these guys, Ariel, they built three tunnels. They called them Tom, Dick, and Harry. Each of them was over 300 feet long, man. And they built. <laughs> 
they built air purification systems. They had bellows pumping air down there. They were making shovels out of milk tins. They literally did build the radio. We see Buck do it in this, and that's a little bit of like dramatic license for our main characters. There were a couple of radio men that were responsible for like disassembling the photographs and other electronic equipment to build these radios. But all of this stuff is is explicitly true. Part of tactically what they were doing is they believed that the best way they could aid in the war effort was to get enough men out of the camp simultaneously to create chaos behind the German lines and that Germany would subsequently have to just like use so much personnel to recapture as many of these guys as possible that they would have to pull people off the line because they knew like we see in the episode the air raids are getting closer and closer the boys in the prison can start to hear the air raids as they're occurring on Berlin so they know that the allies are pressing in right these are all guys that have spent the entirety of the war looking at maps right they have like a very good sense of the geography compared to a lot of other soldiers right, right. so they build these three tunnels one starts to partially collapse they close it up they end up using it as storage they're just committed to the last two as the third one gets close they shut the, the second tunnel and commit fully to the third tunnel on the 4th of July they're throwing a party the Germans bust them Ariel they find the tunnel they, they end up like what? taking a bunch of guys hostage they have to go back to the closed tunnel that they had like stopped working on reopen it get it going and they get 81 guys out until the last dude pops up and a german soldier accidentally sees them and and the part that we hear in the show this week uh. is all accurate They've recaptured 50 of the 81 men. Uh, 50 of them are executed because the SS were like, you guys can't take care of your prisoners. We're taking over. And All things right. get kind of harrowing after this escape in the prison, right? There's a severe kind of like lockdown, restriction of rights. Yeah, that said, something like... 20 something um soldiers get free and cross borders a bunch of them end up killed on the run across germany it's a fascinating movie and for a film that's like you know 60 years old at this point from 1963 it's worth two hours of your life to go back and watch it uh at, at the least of which because of how incredible the actual true story is also just because like it's kind of fun to see a blockbuster film from the 60s and what that looks like you know yeah especially with all those with all those insane uh it's an insanely stacked cast for it's sure. really stacked yeah i have to watch it um yeah it's it's wild and it's so interesting to hear about like secondhand like the excitement the disappointment on like our guys's you know side of things of like oh my god they've been doing that the whole time and like there was this something thing and like now it's going to be so much harder for us to do anything like that there was this thing where there were a couple of Americans working with them and like halfway through completing the tunnel is where they separate the prisoners because they start getting a lot of Americans. The Americans are now pushing oh, in okay, far okay. enough that we're yeah. beginning to accumulate a lot of American prisoners. So we cordon so them off. Them together, yeah. So you had a bunch of Americans that had participated in this dig that then got moved to the other side of the camp and were never going to be anywhere near those tunnels to escape. It was such right. drama, Ariel. Like there's such stakes. And and it also involved hundreds of men. It was a conspiracy like against the prison guard on like yeah. the highest of orders, you know, the That's things that they did, like they do the Andy Dufresne dirt dissembling. They, they have each wow. of these guys building literal, like these draw bags that they would wear under their pants to carry the dirt out Very a pound dirt, at yeah. a time and scatter out on the yard. You know, there's, there's just so much crazy kind of like detail that goes into everything they had to do to accomplish this they literally had a men's choir that would sing every day to cover up the sound of the digging to cover up the sound that's incredible it's not uh, it's really like a choir so i would have i've never sang louder i than <laughs> right? at karaoke and i can only imagine how loud i would have sang had I needed to protect my friends and the digging sounds. That's insane. I love that. I love that detail. I, I guess I'm so fascinated by it partly because it's just so incongruous with what we think of when we think of World War II, right? Yeah. There is this measure of respect between the kind of like enemy factions while there's also like deception of the highest order and threats mm -hmm. and like it's just such a different kind of strain and such a unique kind of situation that can only exists like in this paradigm you know it's fascinating yeah it's almost like kind of um 
like the stakes were incredibly high and obviously it was so brave for them to attempt to well to pull off this thing a lot of you know a lot of people did escape ultimately even though some of them were recaptured but there's almost like an element of like silliness when you think about the story like or, or cartoonishness of like that plot and the ability for them to pull it off it's it's insane it's crazy to think about I mean, uh, to circle it back to like the actual episode, I think, you know, part of the conversation between Buck and Bucky, do we stay or do we go? Mm -hmm. It's like the evolution of what we saw with Quinn early yeah. on talking to the Belgians of like, you can hand yourself over and probably be safe or you can try to get back. And and that question, the way it like looms over these guys, because because part of what the survivors out of the POW camps talked about is like, if you get convicted of a prison sentence, you know, you've got five years, right? Mm -hmm. You can count the days down. There was such a measure of uncertainty. They didn't know if they were going to die in these camps, right? right? They had no idea if they would spend decades there, how long this war would go on. It's easy for us in retrospect to understand it's only a couple of years. It's right. a very kind of limited period of time. And they were being treated pretty well in, in comparison to others in their circumstance. But, the reality of the situation is like, you know, this, this lack of knowledge about anything at all. About anything. Yeah. And then you, you could, they could turn around and, you know, all of a sudden decide to kill everyone tomorrow. Right. Because yep. like something bad happened or someone, you know, uh, they heard something about the other side, how their men were being treated. Like you never know, which is to your point, why this really fascinating, you know, basically like philosophical discussion almost between Buck and Bucky of like what the right thing to do is to like, fight for the quality of life that we have here to be as good as possible for as long as we have to be here versus like fighting for ourselves to get the heck out of here and get home to our real lives or at least back to you know the war effort um and they're not you know sitting around just having philosophical discussions they're making their little radios from scratch or piece of the radio you know at one point they get they get discovered they have like trick compartments on <laughs> tables like that i have no idea how they like i have a harder time believing the like trick compartments than the the digging of the of the tunnels the hollow table leg you want to hear some crazy stuff ariel i have my grandparents house is like down the road from where i live now and my grandfather world war ii veteran this is like where i get my fixation from on the night table in the guest room was a secret compartment in the Stop back of it. the night table that you had to pull a nail there was a hidden nail Not in the side of the wow. nightstand that acted as a secret locking mechanism for the hidden compartment in the back and <laughs> you would pull it out That's and i remember crazy. asking you know, grandpa what do you keep in the secret compartment he's like nothing anymore but i used to keep a pistol in there i was like <laughs> oh my god man like like you know i i think like i tell the story because it's funny but a little bit because like these things stayed with these guys you know what i mean yeah. like there's there's like an impact in terms of like coming back and it's just such a different way of life than I think that we exist in in the, in the the bleeding edge of the 21st century. It's just wild to consider the like practical ingenuity that it took these guys to do this. Yeah. Like just the Great Escape alone, you have forgers making documents. You have seamstresses, these these Air Force pilots that are sitting there sewing uniforms. You know, mm -hmm. what I mean, like most of us couldn't sew a hole in our pants nowadays. No, you know? I literally it's just can't. Like, it's incredible to think about just the wherewithal and the, the like tactile knowledge you need to be able to pull something like that off, you know? Yeah. I wonder if any of these guys came home from the war and became magicians because they could use some of these, uh, some of these skills and making trick compartments and things. Um, <laughs> so yeah, our guy, you know, they, and then the, the episode kind of ends for, for them. They're in this place of like, this fascinating place where Buck and Bucky kind of end up on each other's side, like towards the beginning of the episode, you know, Bucky is very much like, we should escape, we should escape. And then at the end of the episode, Buck's like, damn, maybe you were right. Maybe we should escape. And Bucky's like, I don't know. It's kind of it's kind of scary now. And obviously, since the British uh, tunnel system has now been discovered, it seems like things are about to get a little hairier for them, possibly at this camp. Yeah, it's a it's a paradigm shift, you know. I mean, I talked about the Great Escape last time as a little bit of a tease. I thought it's kind of fun to be like, oh, will they escape? Like, just because I knowing that it's part of this prison and such an integral part of the history, yeah. had to wonder if they would be amongst these guys. But I also knew the story of like it's mostly British soldiers, and it seemed very unlikely. So, so to see the fallout, right? I think that like what's really important to understand is there's going to be like a kind of paradigm shift in the state of existence. I mean, we see it where 
you know, they kill the one guy. Why did you shoot him? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. There is this kind of like, um, like, like Buck almost in this episode. He's a little bit like mm -hmm. the Steve McQueen character in the movie where he's almost adversarial with the German commanders of like, get so-and-so get so-and-so the like right. leader of the camp. Like, why did you do this? You know? And right. there's this, power that they still have while the Luftwaffe are in charge because of this mutually assured destruction you talked about, right? right? Like somewhere out there, there's a bunch of German prisoners that the Americans have. So, so, but, but there's a real shift after I think that the tunnels are discovered and notably 50 men are executed, right? And part of what that final scene is about is like, you got to keep your guys in line. Like we cannot have prison riots. You, you know, yeah. they, they cannot be looking for reprisal. So yeah. just coming out of the situation, going in the next episode i'm curious to see what the camp looks like compared to what we saw this week which is like pretty easy living you know mm -hmm. they're they're eating their rabbit stew they're 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 hiding their radios in the compartments you know mm -hmm. like it wasn't that bad compared to like what you might imagine you know so right, right, right. i prepare for like a paradigm shift there you know yeah the plot thickens um and then i guess we can we can just briefly talk about Crosby in the episode before we get to Rosie like Crosby's around a lot because he's doing the VO uh but he doesn't have a lot to do in the episode you know as the the person in charge of the navigating department yep uh, <laughs> the <laughs> he you know he gets a lot of the oh damn it we have to go back to Berlin lines it's the same route you know stuff that he would be involved in even though he would much rather be flying himself um he goes and meets uh, Sandra again, our friend from last episode, who we both liked a lot. And this is way past any friendship, uh, platonic friendship that I have. It was like, you know, and it's framed as to be fair. And I think it it obviously makes a lot of sense. We've seen this on on both Band of Brothers and the Pacific and now on this show of like the ways in which even though they're being sent on these insane missions by the powers that be the, those same powers do still recognize that they need some kind of R and R, whether it's sending Crosby to, to Oxford or, you know, in this case, giving him a, a pass to go to London. It seems where Sandra is right. That's where she said she's going to be last episode. Um, but uh, he needs his distraction and it's not, it's his European wife. It's not his actual wife. It's his European wife, Sandra. <laughs> his work wife um yeah you know we, we joke about it but i i really appreciate this you know I, I we came into this and i was so cognizant early on of like we are talking about a lot of these guys and we kind of hero worship them we put them on these pedestals we look at them like reflectively mm -hmm. as these pillars i mean they sacrificed the ultimate sacrifice they gave their lives to fight a noble war that we can see in retrospect needed to be fought to change the world for good right so it's easy to like whitewash them with this brush of hero but like the idea that we're telling a story about a real man and we're talking about some of his flaws too, his, his moral shortcomings. Like this is not a good thing, right? It's not great. I, I, I love the relationship. They're really charming. It's very charismatic. You can sympathize. I can understand. I can totally like relate to Crosby. And I think that they do such a good job with his narration, communicating the point, especially because if you've seen Band of Brothers of the Pacific, we don't need to hammer home the replacements, right? We're doing it again. It's a natural part of what's happening. What makes it even more complex for the hundredth is part of what like Rosie will articulate later, which is like every time we get one of these replacements in, it just gets worse. Like as we're getting these less capable pilots that have had less training than the guys before us they are more likely to get shot down to have to rush in the new guys who have gotten even less training than them like right. it's just so technically demanding to do the jobs that they're doing so the idea that like Crosby's articulating we were all just looking for ways to forget the war every single one of those guys that was part of the 100th had lost not just like a good friend but a lot of casual acquaintances a yeah. lot of the people that had spent like your rote day in day out lives with for years since basic training since you since before you even landed foot in europe right and to watch 
just death all around you to know again, like this thesis, how are you going to get in the plane tomorrow? Like, how are you going to do it again when you know that what the stakes are part of how you do it is that like, you're going to live tonight and you're going to like, you know, suck the marrow from life and live it all up. So I really appreciate that they show this relationship in a really like charming kind of way it's very affectionate that you can't help but like the two of them together but it is a little bit of an indictment on harry crosby right that like he would do this and the fact that like i take it the step further ariel like where did we find this out um like like you know this information is like out there and shared and and i think it's like relevant i don't mean to like denigrate the man at all or make it sound worse than it is it's right, at the right, end right. of the world to have an extramarital affair right mm-hmm. but like it's not a great thing. (laughs) And I like seeing like the imperfection of these guys in the same way that we saw Bucky as a little bit of like a hot mess, dude. Right. Like, you know, they're all flawed. They're just guys and they're young guys struggling to like make, get it done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is interesting to like, you know, consider how every, you know, especially in the face of everything they have been through and everything they have seen and like what ways, a person just decides to be very selfish when mm-hmm. put in this extraordinarily, you know, not common experience. Like this is not something, you know, to the doctor's point from, I don't know, I guess I think it was last episode. Like this is not how humans are supposed to behave. Right. Yep. It's like yep. incredible ups and downs. And this is, this is, an, this is an up that he needs because he's been down. And I think it's uh, to your point, it's, Many people have done worse things, even though it is uh, an, an inherently a, a betrayal of his marriage. But it's also like he's in this impossible situation emotionally um, that you can't really blame him. His wife nope. would and and will probably, but you can't really blame him as like a fellow as a fellow human. Uh, and, you know, Sandra, she's done her own, you know, she's a spy, as I'm convinced. She's doing her her work, either, you know, cracking codes and stuff. She's also involved in the war, and she needs some relief as well. Yeah, uh, bless her. I love Sandra. She really is very fun. Do you want to know where I've been or where I'm going to be? Uh, yeah, she's, she's like, I know how to deflect this question very well. Very well played. Very well played. I mean, again, you know, I don't mean to overstate it. I just, like, in retrospect you can't imagine a depiction like this of uh major dick winters or carwood yeah. lipton right? right like like some of those guys and and uh, you know they're very different people right like right. i'm not trying to overlook that point but i just think there's so much more beauty for the totality of the person that crosby was being depicted here you know like it, it really i appreciate that they're willing to show um, some of like what it took that maybe is not like the most honorable, the most heroic of deeds, but it's part of the truth. It's part of the story and like the record of what happened there and what got these guys through it, you know, and specifically with Crosby, you know, he, he wrote about it extensively, but once he was named the lead navigator of the group, every single one of these planes that didn't come back, he takes like really personally, you know, there's that scene Ariel, where like, they're coming back. We'll talk about it more and Crosby's always the one to spot him first and start yeah. counting and we're counting the planes down and we get to 15 and it feels like uplifting and heroic and you're uh-huh. like yes and then somebody says it holy shit half of them are gone we lost yeah. 15 planes right and it's like all of those 15 planes it's 150 men that like Crosby is trying to sleep with at night in that bed next to Sandra and him you know, and that's heavy, man. I mean, that's, that's a real like burden to put on a 20 something year old kid, you know? Yeah. It's a, it's a lot to, for one person to process for sure. And I think it's our guy. We just want Crosby to, to feel good and to, to be doing well and helping all his friends. So it's, it's definitely, it's definitely someone we care about. So it's interesting to watch him. For sure. Um, Mad love for Anthony Boyle though. I think this kid is like, um, you know, Calum Turner is somebody that I wasn't familiar with prior to this show. Who's right. like caught my eye, but Anthony Boyle, he's really killing it with Crosby. I think it's like the backstretch, especially he just brings such like humanity that I think some of these other guys are a little bit like, too polished almost to, to feel like accessible you know no for sure that that last point especially i agree with we took it all 
We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. As we get to Rosie, our guy, uh, the he's, you know, he's showing himself to be this person who has learned how to, you know, be a leader, which is great, and care more about his, you know, fellow fellow men than about his own safety. Certainly, as we will see in in several different ways in this episode. Um, but, uh, you know, it's time they have to bomb Berlin again. So it's like at the beginning of the episode, those those planes are returning, like you said, and they count like 15 planes. Then they only have the same 15 planes that returned the first time from trying to bomb Berlin to now go and do it again. The same route two days later. It's kind of crazy. I mean, I guess the good news is that now they have the... The, what the P fifteen, the P fifty one Mustang, yeah, the Mustangs, and that I can only imagine how cool they felt saying that, uh, but also how safe they, how much safer they felt, and we see immediately uh, in that in this second, you know, mission how those uh, Mustangs like really really make a difference both for safety and morale reasons. Yeah, I said before, we don't see any air stuff. We obviously do here. What I was really talking about is like when I was watching that scene of them landing in the beginning, that was harrowing, Ariel. And and it felt as chilling to me, even more so than a lot of the actual bombing runs that we've seen in the sky. And we've talked about it a little bit. We've like nitpicked some of the CGI. I think that like that makes it harder maybe to, to really like um, – resonate with the aerial scenes as much but the other side of that like we've seen the planes land before and we've seen them land and talk about the losses the planes that didn't land but watching them pull these like mutilated men out of the planes watching the shell casings come falling out of that bottom door when they open it there's a shot where there's just like it's tracking underneath one of the b-17s and you just see the ball turret with blood like smeared across the glass of the window and it's like chilling 
Howling Man. It feels as harrowing to me as like any of the most visceral kind of stuff that we saw in the Pacific, where you the carnage just feels so palpable. These guys laying on the runway screaming and burned. Like, you know, I, I don't mean to like obsess on it, but it just felt so powerful. And it's one of these things where I'm like, this is as strong as it is, because for six episodes, like we've learned what it's like up in the sky. And now to like see the fallout of that literally of like these bodies being pulled out of the carcasses of the planes is like chilling in a way that I didn't expect it to be really. But then when we get up again, right. I mean, there's so much to like talk about, but the P 51s they're instrumental. Like this is a plane I have seen on a runway. I've seen them probably in air shows here and there too. They're freaking Corvettes, man. They really are like badass. It's still like, you know, 80 years later, a very cool looking aircraft. You take a look at them and go, Oh wow. And the really important note about them, they were fast. They were nimble. They could manage with these Fock wolves, but they were long range. We started to develop these long range fuel canisters that we could like strap a whole extra tank to the bottom of the, of the P 51 and make it all the way into Germany. They could accompany these bombers on the runs, which is the most critical point of what we're talking about here right like it's so stupid but you go to like a star wars and there's a point where like that's a tie fighter that's a short range tie fighter it can't be out here all alone they must be coming from somewhere right like range matters when you're talking about these things and smaller planes just have smaller fuel tanks you know um these p51s like they literally just changed the face of the war and you know masters of air we're tracking the hundredth we're watching the bloody hundredth and the b17s we're gonna see i think in episode eight in a very visceral way the impact of the p51s but this is the beginning of the end for the luftwaffe like once we start fielding these things with our bomb groups as we're pushing into germany we start really dropping you know fss planes and like it just changes the scope of the war fundamentally for us it can't be overstated yeah it's the the difference you i mean you can see it like i said immediately and you can feel it um most importantly for for the men specifically and how they i mean we've seen so many of these uh you know flight battles and then to see it like oh my god wait we have backup like that there's nothing quite like that that just feels like a monumental shift uh in the way that they are talking about it and thinking about it and hopefully planning it and we have uh i think you talked about it right like black what was it called not black Monday. so so this uh, is black monday we yeah. had like the black week earlier which is that week that buck and bucky get captured in and it's the beginning of like the u.s pushing into germany but this black monday run is like yeah where they're really making the run at berlin at this point like at this kind of stage in the war march uh the russians are like really starting to push in on the eastern front we're beginning to like big time break the German line. There's a lot of stuff going wrong all over the place on the ground that's allowing us to begin to like push the bombing campaign in hard. Yes. Um, and you know, but thankfully it's it's triumphant. We get our anytime I see a tower getting buzzed, I'm like, people are having fun, someone likes this. Uh it was pretty, pretty funny. I I do think it's worth mentioning again, like the way in which, you know, they change the number of missions that are like required for, uh, you know, and we went through this in Band of Brothers and there was like a point system there here. It's just like a, a seemingly a little more simple with the number of missions. But then they have now changed the number. Oh, we're upping it from. It's like you got a raise, but the raise is in the number of missions that you have to complete in order to get out and have your freedom. And that's five missions. And then they're like in between people who kind of joined in this like weird in between space. So they have to like, you know, split the difference and finish 28 so they can get out. This guy's showing he has not. He doesn't have problems speaking his mind first at like the the meeting, you know, the the briefing. Then when he's like, "This is bullshit, Jack," <laughs> like, <laughs> like really pissed off, and I don't necessarily blame him for that. I how could you, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, there's so much here. First of all, we saw Quinn come back, right? Getting yeah, food for like finally, the thank God they got off that 
they got off that French train and I know <laughs> the longest French train in the world, you know. Um, but but this whole notion of like there's more than one way to go home, like because these guys had been helped by the by the Belgian freedom fighters, they could not go back in planes. They just which is again like one of these really I mean it's kind of noble to imagine that they're like, no, 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 we can't let you get captured. You could give up like the Belgian resistance and we can't let that happen. I mean it's it's self-interested in that the Belgian resistance, all these resistance forces were really important to the Allies and the fight that we were fighting. But it's also like kind of great that you see this these kids getting sent home to like protect these freedom fighters that somebody gave a shit about them feels cool to me right in retrospect and then the like greater notion of like the missions getting changed it's just so brutal right they like they landed on 25 missions entirely arbitrarily Ariel. like i've i've heard some discussion of this of like reviews people talking about like how did they come up with 25 missions they were like yeah they just kind of pulled it out of a hat they had felt like a good square number you know like they didn't really know they had no sense of what this aerial combat was going to be like until they started flying these missions and as we've seen through seven episodes it, it is the exception not the rule that you're going to make it out of 25 like part of what the whole big celebration of episode seven here is about is like you rosie rosenthal will be the guy to do it this is going to be the plane like i mean it's rosie and his whole crew but the idea that they're the only one and let's not forget like rosie wasn't with them when they landed he shows up a little bit after them the idea that like everybody who came with buck and bucky all those guys landing in episode one none of them have completed 25 missions they're all either dead or captured is like just think about it right really like let it sink in um and rosie became a mascot to a degree for the hundredth that he was going to get it done you see the celebration around that the buzzing of the tower the boys like oh this is our last time and it's just incredible to imagine what happens here that like his whole crew goes back to the states he re-enlists and, and the this shifting of the numbers like to 30 it's because they're all dying ariel it's because like they the irony here is because Crazy. they cannot complete 25 flights they all die so quickly that we need to now keep the guys who are here to fly more and like make sure that the new guys who are able to do it stay as long as we possibly can we can't let them go this early right and then for you guys who landed in the middle all right we'll call it 28 you know it's unfathomable dude and and when we keep talking about like the morale is the thing that was hit the hardest and and it's in some of the briefing in the interrogation where they're talking about the Luftwaffe started nosediving and shooting the parachuting, the ejecting pilots. They're killing the crew as they parachute to the ground. Again, it, I talked about it a little bit last week, but at this stage in the war, the Luftwaffe had identified the way that we can defeat the Allied air forces is to shatter their morale. We need to attack the front of the planes to like kill the pilots and drop the planes out of the air as quickly as possible. Yeah. And we need to focus on individual bomb groups so that we can destroy destroy nine out of 10 planes in that group and just destroy, break their morale. Right. And this from your own chain of command is definitely not helping morale. Right. Yeah. I was like, uh, they're not upping the number because it's going well. Like that was my first thought. I was like, okay, just think about it. Like on a mathematical, logical standpoint. Um, it's not great. It's like, it's like, uh, it's like reverse inflation in a way or like just inflation itself, but apply to this and people's lives. It's crazy. It's crazy. The fact that they can just like come up with this number because it feels so arbitrary, just like you're saying. Um, And I mean, it is, you know, that's the thing. Like in retrospect, we can look back with the power of hindsight 2020 as it is and understand this is the beginning of the turn. Like this really is a paradigm shift in this whole thing that we're going to get to of like, we need to eradicate the Luftwaffe. It's the only way with like, we can get the ground war to Berlin is with total air superiority. And we're beginning to round the corner. 
I mean, they know that the Mustangs are making an impact. That scene of the Mustangs tangling, I mean, that's much more uh, akin to what we're accustomed to in like aerial combat mm-hmm. of World War II, the dog fighting, you know. But again, just the chaos of it, of like planes crashing in the planes and like the magnitude of like that much metal in the air throwing bullets mm-hmm. all over the place. Um, but in in the moment, they can't see it. All they can see is like the toll of death around them and these the impossible demand that is already expected of them being raised even higher, that expectation being raised even higher when it's already like undoable, right? Yeah. There's a way, yeah, there's a way in which like the success of like any the success of a mission has really just become, at least emotionally for the men, like do people come back and survive? Yeah. In this case, it's like, oh my God, the extra layer of like actual success seemingly, that's crazy. Like we're not used to feeling that way. It is, it is kind of keenly, keenly felt. Um, And after that success, you know, they buzz the tower. Like I said, everyone's happy. Oh my God, there's hope. Even though they raise the number, we all hate ourselves uh, or hate the, you know, the people who are making this decision. Um, uh, Rosie finishes his 25 missions and we can see from the look on his face when he's being driven away that he doesn't want to leave. And he's going to do something about it, Rich. He's not just going to stay. He doesn't like Florida, apparently. He doesn't want to go there. He has he has something else in mind. It's unbelievable, right? Like, I, I've talked a lot about Rosie over the last couple of episodes because I think that I'm very cognizant, again, of the, like, blending together of the white faces in uniform, you know? I wanted to, like, make sure that we're paying attention to this guy from the second that he showed up because he's a really remarkable figure in history, right? Like, at the point that he completes the 25 missions, he's already an icon to these men by the fact simply that he has like survived as long as he has he's a statesman he's incredibly like dignified he brings like an air of nobility that i think like we maybe falsely attribute to some of these boys in retrospect but it belongs with rosie rosenthal i mean again like the guy had like completed his law degree at yale i believe just gotten a job at like a very prestigious university or a a law firm in in manhattan prior to enlisting as a d-day guy he he like uh kind of like rolls in right after pearl harbor pearl harbor monday and enlists mm-hmm. and here he is he says it right this speech that he gives at the end where his ceo is like look man i can't like tell you not to do it but are you sure like mm-hmm. this is really what you want to do you know right. the new because the the thing is like to understand the new thing is 30 you, you got to fly another 30 missions that's going to bring you up to 55 like nobody has done 25 really except you so far right so yeah. this is like impossible he is signing up for for all intents and purposes death right yeah, right and, statistically and what, for sure yeah and what he articulates there it's just so profound to me ariel and it sums up the thesis that i keep like talking about here which is like how do they get back in the plane you know it's winters trying to like run out there to command easy company it's this notion of like how am i going to let some kid who does not know what he's doing take nine guys up here in my place and get them all killed and then what some kid's going to come replace him and again and again. And like that sense of personal responsibility yeah. that drives this man to do this, that commitment to the rest of the soldiers that he has served with. And he's got this great quote that has been attributed to him uh, as like stated during the war that like you, you say you're going to do a thing. You see it through to the end and it's like, my God, man. But, but this guy, Rosie Rosenthal just embodies all of the hot air bullshit that we want to like attribute to like the good guys, to the Americans in world war two. Like he, he's the real deal. I think in a way that is a rarity and I think deserves celebration in history. And look, he's one guy amongst like thousands, you know, like there's right. thousands of dead whose names I do not know. Rosie mm-hmm. Rosenthal like gets to be celebrated because he made it this far. But I just can't overstate like how me is like just some guy in 2024 sitting here watching this show is so inspired by something like this. It's the reason that a show like Bander Brothers is infinitely rewatchable to me mm-hmm. and why I think that these things 
things are important and why I'm proud that like we get to cover the show Ariel because like this is real history you know this is a real dude that we get to celebrate for being absolutely goddamn incredible yeah the the 30 missions thing is is so wild to me that you could like and then i was like wait does he this is me thinking out loud in the moment i'm like wait does he start from zero like is there some kind of like payment plan that we can work out it's like some some missions like pre-added to his thing you know like we can uh are there any like rollover minutes that we can talk about um but it's it's wild. Yeah. The point about you're basically signing up for your death because it was a statistical impossibility for him to get to 25, let alone him to start from scratch and now get to 30 is like almost unthinkable. Um, but the idea that, like you said, like with, you know, it's that, it's that line about power and responsibility. He has this power, he has this knowledge and he feels the vast weight of the responsibility of these people. Like if I can save just a few people's lives by doing the mission myself with the confidence and experience that I have acquired, isn't that worth doing instead of letting one of these so-called replacements do it, who have to learn from a person who's just trying to get to their 25 and you know, that's, nothing uh nothing wrong with that but like the idea that like as you replace people and as they are trained by people who have been on fewer and fewer missions like the experience and the knowledge actually gets weaker and weaker like what they are passing down and you need someone like rosie who has all the real experience becomes more and more important i think is is a is an unfortunate reality because how many people would have chosen to do this he's probably the only one he's probably one of very few people let's say who decided yeah. who decided to do this certainly after they changed the number like okay 25 25 i can do that but 25 and 30 no that's like that's a 20 percent increase or 25 i think it's 20 percent uh it's 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 crazy it's crazy it is 20 percent. that's quick D math and uh yeah i mean you know he's amongst a very, very small number of people who did anything like this, right? Um, the idea that, like, he re-enlists to continue flying, right, as a pilot, that, like, he he doesn't... He could have stayed in the military and, and contributed in many ways to the war effort, to the point of, like, go trade pilots back in Florida, you know? Florida, Tell these kids, yeah. like, what it's really going to be like, because they have actually no clue. They're coming out here eager to fly because they're so naive, you know? Um, it, it's just, you know again like for for a jewish kid like fighting in this war to like do this thing my word man i mean this is the stuff of like real heroes you know there's just a measure of personal responsibility there that i think is so you know kind of exceptional that it it feels good to like celebrate it um for a dude that was like surrounded by a lot of death and a lot of hardship and a lot of loss and and seemed to be able to like exemplify the best attributes of these men that were asked to do like the absolutely impossible you know yeah and it's made all the more impressive by the fact that he is now being told the the commanding officer who tells him he's like okay listen I'm just going to level with you and tell you the truth about how the orders have changed because I feel like you certainly deserve to know in before you make this decision that clearly, you know, Rosie's already decided it kind of didn't matter what the CEO was going to say to him. Uh, but he tells them that basically the missions are now going to be like the invasion cannot continue in earnest until the German air forces are more weakened than they are now. So we need bait and that's what the mission will be from now on is for you all to be bait so that the other planes the mustangs perhaps can bomb the living f out of the german planes how does that sound and rosie says yes let's do it i love bait crazy really good uh they didn't need no bait for that cat part of the insinuation (laughs) part of the insinuation is like this is why they're flying the same route you know like they're not going to tell everybody this but this is part of what's happening right Right. and this idea that like you know again i think what's really fascinating when we go back to the pow's 
Um, the American pilots are being shot down over German controlled territory, you know, yeah. like there's fewer Germans getting shot down over allied territory um, at, at this point in the war. That's like beginning to change a little bit. But but as the RAF began, like pushing in and really bombing these German cities, they opened the way. The Americans are running these night missions. They're much more like strategic target oriented, though. We're still fundamentally like carpet bombing German cities in the darkness. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, or, or, like because of the accuracy that we had during the day and so ultimately we're realizing like no there's too much resistance the luftwaffe was a very strong air force those uh -huh. Focke 190s were formidable planes and ultimately the 51s changed the scope because now we can dogfight them we can reasonably shoot them out of the air but we got to get them up in the air to shoot them out of the air. So you guys are going to keep flying the same route into Berlin every day. They're still <laughs> dropping bombs. It's not like right. the, the B-17s are like just empty out there flying in circles trying to like lure Focke-Wolves, you know? Right. They're still doing bombing runs with the intention to like uh, have a destination, a goal at the end. But the real goal is to get the Luftwaffe off the tarmac so we can blow them up. And, and it works pretty well over the course of the next couple of months. I mean, we'll talk about it through these final few episodes but it, again like the wherewithal this is one of these dramatic license moments like rosie understands that i think mm -hmm. tactically he, he is a, a guy who would be able to like put these pieces together and even crosby says it in the narration like Ro you know rosie knew that we needed to destroy the luftwaffe so yeah. i don't know that the commanding officer literally is telling him that before he re-enlists but right. it's a pretty powerful moment ariel to like punctuate uh, yes. the like totality of the decision that this guy makes yes i will go fly another 30 missions let's do this boys like goddamn, man what a way to end an episode yeah i will go on these like suicide missions kind of well and and the idea actually being that there's a way in which because they have the extra protection these missions have now become safer perhaps safer at least emotionally like for you to feel like oh god there's an a there's a quote-unquote adult in the room that can go more you know like toe-to-toe -to -toe with these with these german fighters it's uh it's definitely a different feeling where you're not up there just by yourself quote unquote i think that's it you nail it it's this isolation of being by yourself i talked about a guy i think a couple over the last couple podcasts this dude lucky luckadoo who is uh he was a goner on a b-17 who survived the war and talked about it after the fact and his whole thing was like there's just nowhere to hide you're entirely alone up there like at least the boys on the ground they could get in a foxhole when the bullets started flying but we had nowhere to go and just being able to look out the window and see those p51s surrounding you like a swarm you're not alone you know there's, there's like some wherewithal that like okay we've got backup i mean you hear these boys keep saying it they just want us all to die and they don't care and like when you see the p51s at least you get the sense like somebody cares they're at least trying to keep us alive up here Thank God. Uh, no cats up here that we can try to capture. Uh, that's that's most of the episode. I'm trying to make sure that there's nothing that we missed. Uh, we have two left, Rich. I feel like, you know, a lot can happen. A lot can happen in these two episodes. And I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about, you know, there's. We have we get some timestamps in this episode. We get some, you know, some understanding of of certain tides changing. So I think we're we're certainly looking forward to uh, and I don't just mean that like uh, quantitatively. I mean, we're, we we, you know, we are moving forward into what is becoming like the end part of the war, even though obviously these shoulder, soldiers don't know yet. Yeah, I'm really excited to uh, get a look at episode eight. Uh, I saw some like teaser there on next week, next week of mm -hmm. the Tuskegee Airmen, which yes. are P-51 uh, fighter pilots. And they're, they're some badass dudes. And I'm really eager to see their incorporation into this show. Um, it's coming like maybe later than I expected, but I'm very excited. And just to see kind of where we're at at this stage. Everything going on at Stalag Luft 3 is fascinating to me. Mm -hmm. uh, I understand 
understand like it's it's a little less action for a boys bucket bucky but i'm really curious and yeah i'm all here for every flight that rosie rosenthal is gonna make man like i'm all in ariel also today i think i can announce this but there's been an announcement that on Apple TV, that there's going to be an accompanying documentary feature along Ooh. the end of Masters of Air, The Bloody Hundredth, a new documentary honoring the real-life heroes of the Hundredth Bomb Group produced by Playtone Amblin uh, as just accompanying the end of the series. So I'm really excited that we're getting that. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and archival footage and mm. like deep diving my little history things, but they did something like this at the end of Band of Brothers with like the reunion that was happening in Normandy at the time right, right, right. Uh, i'm eager to see what they put together for us yeah i'm sure it'll be really fascinating and as usual like obviously well researched and you know perhaps get some some uh some firsthand accounts um or at least you know retellings of firsthand accounts it'll be i'm sure i'll cry i'll say that um, yeah me too yeah but uh yeah, I hope that comes out sooner rather than later. Uh before the end of the season, but maybe they're going to try to, you know, time it with the ending of the season with some momentum. But we'll be back for those final two episodes of course with you every week as usual. Next week is part 8, the penultimate episode. In the meantime, Rich, what else have you got going on where can people follow you? I'm talking about Halo season two with the great Corey B. You can catch that every week over here at DM Philly on all the socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, those places. You could go follow me there. Keep up with what I am doing. I got uh, lining some ducks up for to put them in a row in terms of what is coming up next. But twitch.tv slash DM Philly. Go give me a follow over there. YouTube with the same name to catch all the VODs of the tabletop RPG stuff that I'm doing. And that's about it for me, Ariel. Love that. Uh, I am on Twitter at that other Ariel. I'm covering a couple things around these parts, covering six feet under with Dr. Amanda. We are uh, hurtling towards the end of season two. We have maybe like three or four episodes, I think, left in that season. Uh, also covering movies every week with Grace. We'll have Dune part two coverage coming possibly at the end of the week. Uh, we're trying to get that out as early as possible. I could not be more hyped to see that movie. Um, yeah, and that's it from me. Like I said, we'll be back next week for part seven of Masters of the Air. Until then, bye bye. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.